1: Welcome to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan. I've noticed there's a lot of censorship lately. My film, The Big Secret, was taken off when Congressman Adam Schiff wanted 80 documentaries removed from Amazon Prime. Why? Well, the majority of them were on vaccines. Why? Why are we not hearing uh, both sides of this issue? I mean, in 1985, there were only three vaccines that our children received. But recently, there's been 69 vaccines before age 18. And for people uh, between uh, 18 and 60, there's, uh, let's see, there's a lot more. I mean, oh, no. Okay, there's 60 to 70 between ages 18 to 65. What's happened to our immunity? Why has our immunity failed us? So I would like to find out more about this. I mean, I think there are some valid questions, and both sides should be heard, but I'm not hearing anything about people questioning vaccines. So let's explore that more. Uh, With us, we have uh, Neil Miller, who has explored this issue extensively. He's a medical research journalist and director of the Think Twice Global Vaccine Institute. And the website for that is www.thinktwice.com. He's devoted the past 30 years to educating parents and health practitioners about vaccines. He's encouraging informed consent and non-mandatory laws. He's the author of several articles, studies, and books on vaccines, including Miller's Review of Critical Vaccine Studies. Past organizations he has lectured to include the International College of Integrative Medicine, the Hahnemann Academy of North America, the Culture of Life Institute. He has a degree in psychology and is a member of MENSA. So welcome, Neil.
0: Thanks for having me, Susan. I'm happy to be here.
1: Well, I mean, I just got a lot of questions. Um, tell us about some of the research that has gone that has been done on vaccines.
0: Well, I've been studying vaccines for more than thirty years, and uh, my latest book is Miller's Review of Critical Vaccine Studies. And in that book, I summarized. I researched. And summarized four hundred studies from the peer reviewed medical literature and uh, people because people often tell me well i don't i 've never seen or heard about studies that show problems with vaccines. I hear from doctors I hear from pa- uh, parents who take their children to doctors, where the doctors tell the parents there 's no science that says vaccines are problematic. They're safe, they're effective. So in my book, I went about to document, like I said, 400 studies published in the peer-reviewed medical literature that document safety issues associated with vaccines. So, for example, a lot of people uh, hear that we have to go and get a flu vaccine every year. But if you actually read the medical literature, like I have, and I've summarized these studies, you'll find that if if you actually get an influenza vaccine two years in a row, that vaccine is likely to have something that is referred to as negative efficacy now a lot of people haven't heard about this term but what happens is when you get that when you get a flu vaccine one year that vaccine may have some efficacy for you if that's the only year that you get that vaccine but if you go ahead and get the, get the next year's uh, seasonal influenza vaccine what you'll find is that it has negative efficacy in that year? You are actually statistically significantly more likely to actually uh, end up contracting influenza when compared to somebody that's never actually received that vaccine. Now, this is just one example of some problems with the with the uh, with the with the literature. Another big problem. With vaccines that I uh, I've written about, um, and if you go up to my website at thinktwice.com, dot com, I actually have uh, a listing of a, of a of a paper that I've I've written on this, and this has to do with multiple vaccines that are administered simultaneously. Now there are uh, some people out there. Uh, like uh, Dr. Paul Offit, who has actually come out and publicly claimed that it is okay and actually safe for a child to get to receive up to 10,000 vaccines simultaneously, that they are able to handle that antigen load. Well, that's not true at all, because I conducted a study with uh, Dr. Gary Goldman, and uh, Dr. Gary Goldman, by the way, uh, actually had worked for the CDC for seven and a half years uh, before he, uh, he resigned because uh, he found that they were not allowing him to publish any data that showed deleterious effects associated with the vaccines. But he and I conducted a couple of studies together. In fact, we're working on a third study right now. Um, But in one of those studies, what we did is we, uh, we looked at children that received eight vaccines at the same time. And we compared them to children that received seven vaccines at the same time. And we compared that to children that received six, five, four, three, and two vaccines at the same time. And in our study, what we found was that children that receive the most vaccines simultaneously are statistically significantly more likely to be hospitalized and or die after receiving those vaccines than children that receive fewer vaccines. So, for example, and in fact, why this is important is because the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, has uh, put together a, uh, a recommended immunization schedule. Now, anybody that takes their children to the pediatrician, their, their infants, knows that they're expected to receive multiple vaccines concurrently. And uh, here, what the schedule actually shows is that you're going to get, if you follow the CDC's recommended immunization schedule, you will take your child, well, when you go to the ho- if you have a hospital birth, uh, you'll get a hepatitis B vaccine at the hospital. Now, of course, there's there's no uh, good reason to get, to give an infant a, uh, a hepatitis B vaccine, um, but that that's a whole other story that we maybe if we have time we can talk about later. But the baby will get uh, the, the newborn baby will receive a hepatitis B vaccine at birth, and then at two months, at the baby's well uh, well visit, uh, the the, va- the the child is expected to receive eight vaccines and uh that's you're going to get a polio vaccine a hepatitis another hepatitis B vaccine a diphtheria vaccine tetanus vaccine and uh a uh uh uh, pertussis vaccine a haemophilus uh, influenza type b vaccine a pneumococcal vaccine and uh i might be uh, missing am i missing any i can't uh, can't recall if i'm missing any but uh, but then again at four months of age you're going to receive eight vaccines again and then at six months of age you're going to receive eight vaccines again and then um Actually, at the, at the six months, they're also recommending an influenza vaccine. So you're expected to receive nine vaccines. So this is very common. It's very common for babies to receive eight vaccines at one time. And our study, the study that Dr. Gary Goldman and I uh, con- uh, uh, conducted, We've, we discovered that when you get eight vaccines at the same time, you are statistically significantly more likely to be hospitalized or die than if you have received seven vaccines at the same time. And if you get seven vaccines at the t- same time, you're statistically significantly more likely to be hospitalized or die than if you get six, five, four, three, or two. And there was a, uh, an amazing linear relationship um, shown. Um, uh, with this, and uh, so this is just uh, one example. Um, and then another, another, uh, you know, another thing that happened was the uh, uh, another thing that's, that that needs to be discussed is that right now, 54 uh, percent of all children in the United States have one or more chronic ailments. Now, where are these chronic ailments coming from? okay just a few years before that the rate was 12% and that was when uh when the uh, immunization schedule was less loaded where the requirements were less stringent and so as every as as new vaccines are added to the immunization schedule the um the uh, the rate of chronic ailments that uh our children are are living with uh continues to skyrocket. And these chronic ailments include everything from uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, which, by the way, has been linked to vaccines.
1: uh, I'd like to interject here. Uh, the topic yeah, of my next film is called Toxified, and we address why is this illness rate increasing so rapidly. And my personal belief is its just the big toxic soup and all the toxins that people are exposed to, the garbage they put in our food, the pollution, the bromides they put in all the uh, rugs. So I kind of think that the whole toxic soup is the cause. And... One question I had these vaccines are they vaccines that encourage the babies to make antibodies, and do young kids actually have the ability to make antibodies when they're so young
0: well they're finding out that uh, they're finding out now with the coronavirus vaccine they 're finally finding out that it's not it's not the antibodies that matter okay so um, you know it's T cells that that really where the, where, where the immunity where the, where the true immunity is about. I mean, there's there's studies that show that um, you you know there's there's not necessarily a, a good correlation between uh, how many antibodies you produce. And whether or not you're actually protected from from the disease, um, there's many people with, with no, no antibodies that are shown that appear to have protection. And then uh, then on the other, the other side of the coin, there's people that have uh, high high antibody production. They're showing high high titers, but uh, but they're 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 able to catch still still contracted disease. So,
1: Yeah, that um, is going on with the coronavirus, but I've been told by other people like Dolores Cahill, who's an Irish virologist, that if you give uh, something to stimulate antibodies to kids who are under one year, they're not able to make antibodies. Their system is not revved up to do that. So they get the disadvantage of the adjuvants in the vaccine, but not the advantage because they can't build antibodies yet. And why they would need hepatitis B, I mean, some of these things is a mystery to me. Well the reason
0: they it well let me demystify it for you OK, when they produced that hepatitis B, when they first uh, came out with that hepatitis B vaccine, I think that uh, that came out like around 19, the late 1980s, they started developing uh, hepatitis B vaccines. And they originally expected it to be a huge market for the for the people that were um, IV drug users and, uh, you know, were sexually promiscuous. And, um, you know, the high risk groups for for hepatitis B Um but but they couldn't they couldn't make enough. The, the pharmaceutical companies couldn't make enough money uh, because nobody was coming in. They couldn't they couldn't get the the, the, the target group to, to come in to take the vaccine. So they went to Plan B. The pharmaceutical industry went to Plan B. Plan B was they they, they convinced the regulators because the regulators are really in the in the in the pockets of of Big Pharma. Okay, they've been captured. By, by the regulatory agencies, I'm talking about the FDA, the CDC. They, you know, and I, I've got a lot of evidence for this. I'm not just. This is not a conspiracy theory. There's a lot of evidence to show that. These regulatory agencies have been captured by, by, by the pharma- pharmaceutical industries. But, but, uh, so, so they, they convinced the, the, the regulatory agencies, the FDA uh, mostly, that um, to, to give this vaccine to all infants because, number one, the term they used was they're accessible that 's the term they actually used because they 're accessible, um, and number two, because they, they, they convinced the regulatory agencies that, this, that they would off, by vaccinating all infants, it would offer what they called passive immunity or passive protection to the, to the to the target group that was actually at high risk so basically, what they were doing is they, they said we 're going to vaccinate all infants who are not at risk for this disease. And we're going to subject all those infants to all of the risks associated with the vaccine um, in order to protect another group that is living a high-risk life and refuses to come in to take the vaccine. And this was how the pharmaceutical industry uh, increased their profit stream. And, and that's, that's, that's a tactic that they, they continually use. Um, so that they can um, they they, can, they can mandate they, they, they for, push to mandate these vaccines as quickly as they're as they're uh, uh, manufactured, um, so that they uh, they can inca- increase profits and uh, uh, that that's uh, that's a big problem. But uh, so but as far let's as,
1: talk uh, about more of these studies. For example, the Jackson State uh, University study in two thousand seventeen. You discussed that.
0: Uh, which which study? I'm sorry.
1: I think that the people uh, they did a study and that kids that had the vaccine had a lot more neurological problems. Let's see if I can find my data on that. Are we
0: talking? Are we talking about the Mawson study?
1: Oh, I don't know the name attached to it.
0: Well, there's, well, I mean, I'm I'm familiar with like thousands of studies. I mean, I mean, in terms of neurological studies, I mean, there's there's dozens of studies that are showing that uh, that that vaccines increase the the risk of neurological and immunological disorders. Um, in fact, Dr. Brian Hooker and I just uh, just uh, we we co-authored a study uh, that was just published. And it's already been downloaded over 120,000 times. So this study is, is, is being widely circulated. And what Dr. Brian Hooker and I did is we looked at whether or not, uh, uh, we compared vaccinated and unvaccinated children. And, uh, we had, uh, we had access to, uh, three, uh, medical doctors who, uh, in their practices, they, uh, they accepted people that uh, chose not to vaccinate their kids. So, they, so their practices had thousands of records of, of children that were fully vaccinated, children that were partially vaccinated, and children that were not vaccinated at all. And, um, and Dr. Brian Hooker and I ran the numbers, and, uh, and what we found was that uh, that children that receive the uh, the children that receive the vaccines are statistically significantly more likely to end up with with uh, ear infections and asthma and developmental delays and uh, gastrointestinal disorders.
1: Now, yeah, this study out of Jackson said, State University showed children who are vaccinated dramatically higher risk of neurological problems, autism and ADHD, and higher rates of chronic illnesses such as asthma. That was just one particular study.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, anybody that... I mean, if you want to go down the rabbit hole, which, I, I, which I'm telling you you need to do, I mean, if you're a parent, if you're a concerned individual and you 're not yet woken up to what 's going on with the vaccine issue um, you 're going to be very surprised at how much how much uh, information is out there, documenting links. To, like I said, uh, attention deficit, uh, disorder and, uh, uh, and, uh, everything from neurological to immunological disorders. There are serious problems with the HPV vaccine that should be taken off the market immediately. Um, we've got healthy, uh, healthy young ladies that, uh, do, you know, teenagers that are in the prime of their life and they're, they're, uh, they take this HPV vaccine, and it either uh, incapacitates them; they become disabled, uh, and many of these young ladies die after receiving these vac- th- this uh, this particular vaccine.
1: But you didn't know, I'm, Japan I'm stop you that- the HPV vaccine and made the front page of newspapers in Ireland and Colombia had a class action suit against Gardasil.
0: Yeah, there's uh, there, there's been many attempts. Around the world, to uh, to stop this vaccine from from causing, uh, you know, from from you know from, from the mandating the vaccine, um, but uh, but big pharma is incredibly adept at uh, at. Uh, fighting every, you know, every time there's a, there's a, you know, a, a nation that sees the problem that's going on and they come forth uh, to try to talk about it um, and, to, and to say, we don't want to do the, you know, mandate. I think it's all, I think it's, all, I don't think Japan uh, gives that vaccine anymore. I think Japan was the only country that really was successful at saying, we've seen what these, pro- what these problems are. And they took, they, they suspended it and then they did their research on it more deeply, and I don't—I don't think they went back to to, to giving that vaccine, at least not mandating it. Um, but uh, but Japan cares about their citizens. Here in the United States, uh, we we have some serious problems with. Uh, Collusion between legislators and between big pharma and the entire medical industry. Um, and, and they're turning the screws even tighter so that, uh, so that it becomes harder and harder for any of us to resist taking these vaccines. Now, I do want to uh, say that I, I do agree with you that, uh, you know, vaccines is not the only problem uh, in the, in the world today. Um, you know, you know, this toxic soup that you're talking about and you know, all of the, you know, whether it's various chemicals that we're exposed to and everything else, but I've been doing this research for, for more than 30 years. And remember these babies, they're getting inundated. Let me tell you, for example, you know, from, from day one, it's, you know, from the time that the, the mother is pregnant so, so that's setting the stage. That is, that is, you know, that that's where it's all beginning. Because the pregnant mother, she's expected to receive a a mercury containing flu vaccine, right? Because uh, you know, ninety percent of the vaccines today, the, the flu vaccines today, still contain mercury, which is a a very toxic chemical. And and I document I document dozens of studies in my book. Okay, showing that mercury, the type of mercury that, that um, is in vaccines, ethyl mercury, is extremely toxic, causing neuro- neurological disorders. Now, a pregnant mother is, is, is told she needs to get a flu vaccine. Uh, most of, like I said, 90% of the, vac- the flu vaccines that are available are laced within, with uh, thimerosal, which is mercury. Uh, And then she's also expected to receive a pertussis vaccine during her pregnancy. Now, the pertussis vaccine contains high concentrations of aluminum. And again, I've got a chapter in my book on aluminum. Aluminum is a neurotoxin. There's no known biological uh, value in the human body.
1: It's highly uh, associated with Alzheimer's disease.
0: Well, it is. It is. And Dr. Chris Shaw has shown a link between uh, uh, aluminum and Alzheimer's, and he's shown also a way to leach aluminum out of the body by, by drinking uh, uh, silica, uh, silica-infused water. Um, but that, that's another story. But in terms of the co- content of aluminum, so I'm telling you that, that, that from, from, from day one, from from pregnancy, the mother is getting a mercury laced flu vaccine, an aluminum laced pertussis vaccine, and this crosses the uh, the placenta, so that the uh, baby in utero is being uh, rece- receiving these toxins, and then when that baby is born. At birth, it's receiving an aluminum containing hepatitis B vaccine. At two months, it's receiving another aluminum containing, uh, hepatitis B vaccine. And it's also receiving an aluminum containing diphtheria vaccine and an aluminum containing pneumococcal vaccine. So it's being, it's being, and then, and then it it happens again at four months and it happens again at six months. And the baby gets another. Then the baby, the the the, the baby at six months is also going to receive a a, 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 um, a mercury containing flu vaccine. So our children are being poisoned with mercury and aluminum. Now, 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 Dr. Boyd Haley, I summarized a study uh, on. Uh, I I, I stu- summarized a, a paper where Dr. Boyd-Haley has shown that there's a synergistic toxicity associated with aluminum and mercury when they're combined. So you have to understand the difference. People have to understand the difference between something that is additive versus something that is synergistic. So, for example, if, if mercury kills um, you know, humans, if you put, if you put uh, hu- human cells into a petri dish and you put mercury in that petri dish and maybe let's say one out of ten of those cells dies and if you put uh, aluminum if you put the cells in another petri dish and put aluminum in that petri dish and one out of ten of those cells die but if you put aluminum and mercury in a petri dish with human cells maybe all of them will die and this is what you know or, or more than fifty percent, and this is what this is what uh Dr. Boy Haley has shown with a study so these all of these uh, all of this information is highly significant, and we're 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 damaging our children and we're damaging adults who take these vaccines, and we're 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 we're, we're reducing the quality of life, because so many people now are walking around with various types of disabilities. I've got a study that shows that the uh, Hib vaccine, Haemophilus influenza type B, actually I've got uh, several studies that show that Hib vaccine has been linked to type 1 diabetes. And so we have, we have um, high rates of diabetes uh, in, the, in the country, and it's been linked, scientifically linked. To, uh, to, to the hib, hib vaccine. Well, diabetes uh, is
1: also scientifically linked to, I think, you know, at least three other toxins because some of them act at the insulin receptors, some of them the islet cells. Now, I understand the adjuvants, the added goodies like mercury and aluminum and God knows what else, nanoparticles will be next, um, is what causes problems. But Dolores Cahill developed a vaccine for meningitis that had no adjuvants in it and it was successful and she used mineral oils. Can't vaccines be made to be safe?
0: Um, You know, there's, uh, you know, there's two camps on this. Um, uh, You know, from from my research, um, I believe that vaccines can definitely be made safer because if you take, I know if you can take out mercury, which you can, the only reason mercury is put in a vaccine is so that they can save a few pennies. Okay. I've shown it. I've got documentation shown that they save 15 cents per dose. When they put uh, mercury into into a vaccine, um, so so it's a, you know that's about the, about the money, okay. If a single dose vials, you can get you can get a single dose vial of the flu vaccine that doesn't contain mercury, so that's going to be safer. But but you know the other camp, you know so so yes, absolutely, vaccines can be made safer, and there's different ways, different technologies, and things like that. But the bottom line in my opinion, is that the entire um, paradigm itself is, is faulty. Um, and, and we have to move to, to new ways of understanding health, new ways of how, how do we achieve wholeness. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, 30 years ago, uh, when my, ch- my children were born more than 30 years ago, and we, you know, my wife and I didn't, uh, we had home birth. So, um, you know, I caught my children when they were born. It was all natural, all holistic. Um, I did not vaccinate my children. My children did not even go to a medical doctor. So um, I've never been to a medical doctor. The first time my children, my my son was never at a medical doctor. My daughter, she was 16 years old, was the first time she ever entered a doctor's office. It was actually uh, because she tore her earlobe. She tore her, actually, it was the top of her ear. Uh, she, her, it, it, she had an earring, and it got caught in the door, and it tore it. Um, and we had to go to the, to the doctor, never been there before. She didn't even know. They tried to p- poke her mouth to put a thermometer in her mouth, and she didn't even know what they were doing. Because what, what, we never even, I mean, we just were very holistic, very natural. Uh, and uh, so there's other ways to achieve health.
1: I definitely uh, agree with you. I think building up our immunity, especially in the current times, because it seems to be such a state of fear. Everybody's terrified. I mean, you could just see the fear and you can feel it. But uh, my uh, approach is that we need to build up our immunity and, uh, you know, and then, you know deal with that. And there's a lot of ways to do that. But for some reason, these messages aren't getting out. Can you tell us about the Guinea-Bissau DTP vaccine study?
0: Uh, The studies with uh, DPT?
1: In Guinea-Bissau, half the kids were vaccinated and half yeah, were not. Yeah, in fact,
0: I'm, I'm about to I've, – I've written extensively on this in my other book, in, in the vaccines – I have another book, Vaccine Safety Manual for Concerned Parents and Health Practitioners. And I document that um, what, what, what's been going on um, – actually, it started with – it started with, you know, how I discovered this? And what, what we're going to talk about is DP, DPT vaccine. Basically, in a nutshell – Children in 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 Africa, that especially is where they you know where uh, they 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 give when you get the pertussis. They found that the the pertussis vaccine, the whole cell pertussis vaccine, actually increases the death rate. And and we have to understand the all cause mortality. So when I talk about all cause mortality. Um, remember, a vaccine is given to target a specific disease. So the DPT vaccine in Africa, the wholesale uh, pertussis vaccine, in the United States we give what's called the acellular pertussis vaccine. We used to give the, the DPT uh, vaccine, but they pulled it off the market because it was causing so much uh, <laughs> um so much damage, neurological damage. It was uh, brain damage and things like that. Um, they pulled it off the market, but they keep giving it to children in Africa. And what they've, what they've recently discovered, and it's by Peter Aby. Dr. Peter Aby did the original research out in Africa, and he's, his studies are the ones that um, are showing this problem. People that children, especially girls, that receive the DPT vaccine are five to ten times more likely to die from other causes within the next uh, uh, couple of years. So what happens is they get a DPT vaccine, and the vaccine may seem to be effective at warding off pertussis. They're giving it for diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis, but it's mainly to fight pertussis. Okay, because diphtheria and tetanus, um, it's not, they're not as significant issues as pertussis. Pertussis is a, is a, is a dangerous uh, disease for infants, and so they're giving pertussis. They give this, this whole cell pertussis vaccine, and, and it might be somewhat effective at reducing the, the, the risk of catching pertussis. Um, although they have to give multiple doses, like five doses, because it's it's the, the immunity again going back to antibodies. Those antibodies begin to drop off very very quickly. Um, even here in the United States, the acellular vaccine they give five doses because even after one dose you know it, it you know the the you know two doses three doses the 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 antibodies drop off very very quickly so it starts becoming less less and less effective um but in Africa it it's still the, the vaccine was somewhat effective against to protect you against the target disease pertussis but they started looking deeper into the data and what they they found was the children were dying from other causes at high, it's very much higher rates, five to ten times higher than children that never got that vaccine, and so um, this is what they're calling NSE or non-specific effects. And they found that uh, that inactive, inactive vaccines, you know, inactivated vaccines, and that would include vaccines like like the whole cell pertussis. Um, They they actually increase the all all cause mortality, and it's hidden. It, It it's hidden because because it's hard to see. Okay, because you're basically looking because scientists for years, they say, you know, we want to reduce the incidence of pertussis. So here's the pertussis vaccine. And they'll look and they'll say, we we give this vaccine to 5000 kids. And this is how many catch, catch pertussis. Uh, And we'll we'll look at 5000 other kids that don't get the vaccine and, and they have higher rates of pertussis. So therefore, the vaccine is is, you know, such and such effective, whatever the number is. And, uh, and then they uh, – but, but, the, but then once they started looking deeper and saying, what about all-cause mortality? What's happening with these kids, you know, two, three years down the road? That's when their eyes started to open and say, wow, vaccines have non specific effects. And this is a relatively new concept. It's only about 10 or 15 years that they've been really – then understanding this whole concept of non-specific effects, um, where, where so this is a this is a very uh, important issue that you, you brought up about you know in Guinea Bissau it happened in Toga. there were there were some other uh, you know other uh, African nations um, and it's still happening it's still happening because they, they the, the World Health Organization r- refuses to accept the data even though there's a, you know literally dozens of studies that have now confirmed that the DPT vaccine is dangerous. Now, the way they got around it is because what they're finding is that the, the most recent vaccine that you get is the, is the vaccine that exerts the strongest influence. So they, there is some evidence that, for example, that live vaccines have nonspecific beneficial effects. So when you have nonspecific effects from a vaccine, they can be detrimental or they can be beneficial. And supposedly, vaccines like the BCG, the oral polio vaccine, and BCG, by the way, is for um, uh, for Tuberculosis, tuberculosis. yeah so so, the tuberculosis vaccine is an, is an oral vaccine, the oral polio vaccine and and measles, which is a, a live vaccine. so the live vaccines uh, not 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 oral, but i 'm talking about live vaccines uh, live vaccines apparently have beneficial non specific effects, and so what they do you have to make sure is that when you 're giving the vaccines that when you give the dpt vaccine that you don 't give it. Uh, after you give a measles vaccine, you have to make sure that the measles vaccine is the last vaccine that you give after, you know, that, that it comes in. So, this uh, you know, the sequence has to be correct. It has to come after the, the pertussis vaccine. So these this is, these are all new concepts that they've never looked at.
1: Another thing I'd like to intervene with is that we tend to give acetaminophen or Tylenol with the vaccines, and that impairs our liver. And apparently, some studies I've seen, or some articles, that we have a lot worse outlooks because it affects our glutathione and our defense mechanisms, where in Cuba, they don't have as bad uh, effects. So giving Tylenol with a vaccine has a more negative effect. And Dr. Thomas Levy says, if you want to minimize the effect of vaccine, take a lot of vitamins See, he swears that that's a way to get around it. But this brings me to another point that Thomas Cowan brought up in his book. That the vaccines are intended to give antibodies for a lifelong immunity, but they skip the other side of the immunity, the cell-mediated immunity, which lasts a long time. The antibodies they give wear out. For example, there was a, a mumps outbreak at Harvard, and they all had been vaccinated. So Thomas Cowan says that if you don't build up the cell immi- immunity, you're going to have more problems later in your health. For example, people who had chickenpox uh, had, chicken had a 21% less chance chance of getting glioblastoma according to Dr. Cowan and he goes through several different examples that if you have the cell give your cell mediated immunity a chance when you're a kid rather than you know that you've got a better chance for health in the long term can you comment on that
0: well there's several things I could comment on that Uh, well the first thing that comes to mind is that um you know, I've got a chapter in my book, Miller's Review of Critical Vaccine Studies, that's entitled a Cancer and Natural Infections. And in that, stu- in that chapter, I document dozens of studies that confirm that when you actually can catch these childhood diseases, chickenpox, okay, for example, measles, mumps, the studies are absolutely um, unequivocal that when you catch these childhood diseases, um, you gain protective benefits in later life. Okay, you are protected against various cancers in later life. Okay, uh, you know, you talked about gliomas. Well, absolutely, uh, when, you, when you catch chickenpox, naturally, the wild-type chickenpox, uh, you know, it's a varicella virus. And when you catch varice- the varicella virus, you are actually protected against various types of le- leukemia and other forms of cancer uh, in later life. When you get the vaccine you are prevented from catching the, the the natural... You're being infected naturally, and you actually have higher rates of cancer in later life. In fact... Um, and it's not just protection against cancers, but there's protection against um, – uh, there's, a, there's a Japanese study that um, just uh, just recently came out, and I also summarized this in my book. And this, uh, in this study, they, they, they looked at over 100,000 elderly people, and they looked back at their history of vaccines and, and how, you know, how many of them caught childhood ailments. And what they found was that – Chickenpox and measles and mumps are actually protective also against deadly heart attacks and strokes. So when you catch these childhood diseases, they they, 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 they build up the immune, your immune system. You gain you gain you gain immense benefits through those challenges that you have in overcoming that that infection. And uh, these these benefits last a lifetime. The, the high cancer rates that we have today are a, a direct result of the um, the national immunization programs that have been instituted
1: over time. I would like okay. to say it's a direct, I mean, is causation and association. I would like to say that uh, the whole toxic soup contributed. I don't think we could ever say vaccines was the sole cause, but it certainly could contribute to our problems. I think there's, you know, I don't, I think we cannot say that it's causing all the cancers, well, but me, it there, could be contributing. There is contributing.
0: A evidence, actually, because let me tell you something. Um, if you go back into the history, and you you go back into the like 1920s when they started to really, start, you know, begin to to co- to co- come out with some of the some of the vaccines and whatnot. Doctors back then, cancer was, was unknown. Okay, now yeah, you're right. There's, there's I don't you know it's multifaceted, absolutely. But there are multiple studies showing that if you put your child into daycare when they're young, infants. If you put your children, infants, into daycare, now I, I never did that. We didn't use babysitters, my wife and I, um, and and but but if you do put your kids into into daycare. Those kids that go into daycare early are statistically significantly protected against cancers in later life when compared to children that were never put into early daycare early, and and the reason for that is because they're exposed to all those kids with the runny noses and all the kids with the with the they're they're being exposed early to all of the various different d- diseases. And that is actually giving them protective benefits in later life. There's also studies that show that if you are a second-born child or a third-born child, okay, you know, you are statistically significantly less likely to develop cancer than a first-born child. Okay and one of the reasons is once again it comes back to uh to how many uh sicknesses your you, and infections the first born child doesn't have siblings to be exposed you know to when the siblings get sick but the second and third and fourth born children they have other siblings that, that are, you know, catching sicknesses and things like that, and they're being exposed to them. So there is a, there is direct science showing protective benefits of this. Um, the other thing is I wanted to mention, um, uh, when you brought up the, uh, you know, the fever reducers, uh, acetaminophen, for example, um, the, the, you know, uh, in my first book, vaccines, are they really safe and effective? Dr. Harold Buttram. Okay, he's a he was a holistic medical doctor, and he did the full, he did one of the forwards to my book, and this, this this book came out in like 1992, and it's still like uh you know it's still a, a bestseller today for um but but um. He, he, he talked in the forward. he talked about, he called them anti, antipyretics, okay? These are fever reducers. And he, 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 he documented a couple of studies that showed exactly what you were talking about, is that when you give antipyretics to reduce the fever of a disease, uh, of a you know, of an infection, um, you're doing more harm than good. And, and in fact, when you when you have a fever, the fever is beneficial. That you, you know you want that fever. You don't want to. You don't want to. You don't want to play, play. You know, the only time a fever is dangerous is when it's when it rises quickly, and and rises. You know, at to, to very very extreme temperatures. Um, other than that, I mean, you want to be very careful if you're going to be playing around with, with antipyretics um, and mixing them with with sicknesses and vaccines and things of that nature.
1: A um, couple of other questions I have. Can <clears throat> you describe, like, the vaccine uh, for dengue fever in Philippines, what happened in other countries? And another question I have is uh, coronavirus vaccines are trying to play around and change our DNA. Uh, that sounds like a recipe for... Who knows what?
0: Well, I mean, <laughs> I, we have to take the money out of, out of health care. Uh, um, you know, cr- greed and corruption are so prevalent. Um, you know, I mean, I've, I've seen evidence that, uh, that uh, Bill Gates, who's running the show with Moderna, Moderna is the uh, uh, coronavirus that's va- vaccine that, uh, well, it's the company that's producing a coronavirus vaccine that's got the blessings of, of our government. And and you know, but Bill Gates has 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 you know has a financial stake in it, and I've heard that Dr. Fauci has a financial stake in it as well. Now, that's why why are, is the media why is the major media not really you know asking the the, the deep and hard questions? Is 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 that really? Is that really something that we want, that people that are telling us, uh, that are, you know, giving us advice on vaccines ha- actually have an, a stake, a financial stake in the production and the sale of these vaccines? Um, so, so that's a big problem. Now, you're, you're t- you know, that Moderna vaccine, yeah, there's some evidence that that's, you know, it's, it's a new technology, never been proven before. These, you know, that may, may tamper with our DNA, and we're, we're and we're also talking about um, uh, 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 they're not they're not even asking they're, they're not they're fast tracking these coronavirus vaccines, so they're bypassing the safety studies. Okay, now I did research into uh, early coronaviruses, so if you go back to two thousand and two, that's when SARS emerged in China. SARS was, 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 came from a coronavirus. Now, normally, coronaviruses only cause something like a or correlated with, with uh, common cold, okay? But in, in 2002, SARS emerged, and, and it was causing a, a high uh, fatality rates in the people that caught it. And so they rushed. They tried to rush to create a vaccine, and they couldn't create a safe and effective vaccine. Why not? I'll tell you why not, Okay. They tried to, you know, several scientists from around the world were, try, were, were, were feverishly trying to develop a SARS vaccine. And what they found was they could get the vaccine to be somewhat effective in adults. And by the way, when I say adults, they, 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 they never got past the, the initial clinical studies that, that were, were testing on animals. And here in the United States and elsewhere, we're bypassing animal studies, gone straight to humans. But but that's going to be that that may turn out to be a huge mistake. Um, but but the SARS when they tried to when they looked at the SARS uh, uh, in 2002 and 2003 when they were really ramping up trying to produce a vaccine, what they found was that the mice. The the adult the the younger mice and adult adult mice could mount a, a certain uh, uh, you know they got they got the antibodies they were able to mount certain protection um, but they could never get the vaccine to be pr- protective in at to protective levels in the adult mice. The adult rodents, they, they never could do that. But that was not the most significant thing. So that, that was important, number one. So the so group, because remember, to, coronavirus, if you want to create a coronavirus vaccine for humans, right, you want to give it to the group that's most at risk, which is the elderly. But, but the studies for SARS, which was a coronavirus, um, they found that, that it was, was not effective in adults. I mean, in, in seniors, in the senior mice. But the most significant thing that they found was they, they, they it seemed like that, 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 there were, that the adverse reactions were were limited that they weren't that bad right until now here's the, here's the clincher until the mice were exposed to the wild SARS virus okay and they, and they expose them, so they give the vaccine and then they wait a week or two, and then they expose them them to SARS, they blow it up their noses. And every one of the mice it, 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 it developed pulmonary pathology. They developed, um, uh, they, they, they became, their, their immune systems became damaged. Uh, the immune damage, severe immune damage. And many of them died. Okay? Every time. So basically the vaccine primed them so that the mice were sitting ticking bombs. They they were tick, they were ticking ticking bombs waiting to explode, and when would they explode? When would they become damaged? Only days or weeks later, after they were actually exposed to the wild coronavirus. Okay, now this ha- Then so they gave up the vaccine. They couldn't they couldn't they couldn't develop a safe vaccine, and and then magically uh, SARS just stopped being a significant uh, issue. It looked like it was going to be a huge pandemic, and it just disappeared okay after they couldn't come up with the vaccine fast forward 10 years later 2012 and another coronavirus emerged in saudi arabia so they called it middle eastern respiratory syndrome or mers so now they tried to develop a vaccine again and they had the same problem they couldn't get the vaccine to be effective in the in the senior mice and they couldn't and and, and when they did have a vaccine that they could give um you know, for for just the regular uh, mice pop, mouse population, but not the senior population, that that once those mice works, we got the vaccine and then were later exposed to the uh, to the wild uh, MERS coronavirus, um, they, they developed a, a severe uh, immune pathology. Uh, you know, immune damage, immune damage uh, once they were exposed to it. So that and and our scientists today developing the coronavirus vaccine. They're fully aware of this. They know that the real, the real um, challenge, the real obstacle that they have to overcome is not just making a safe and effective vaccine, okay, but to make one that doesn't prime you so that when you might be, you get that vaccine and then weeks, months, or years later you're exposed to the wild coronavirus, okay, COVID nineteen all of a sudden you're just going to be totally your your immune system's just going to be shot you're going to be totally damaged they know that in fact that's why they're trying to rush rush this through the studies the clinical studies and i think they're moving uh, some of these studies to to arizona where they're going to give it to human volunteers and the reason being is because they want to take it to places where where um where the coronavirus is still endemic, which is, where it's still circulating widely in in, in 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 society, okay? Because they want their the, the people the people that they give the vaccine to, okay? They want them to be exposed to to the actual live coronavirus so they can test them, their guinea pigs, to test them to see if they're going to have the same problem okay, that they had with the mice back in 2002 and back in 2012, okay? These tests should be tested on, they should be tested on animals, not humans. These humans that sign these waivers, they don't really understand what they're getting themselves into, okay? Yeah, I'd like and, to make
1: uh, a point that the all the vaccine makers in the U.S. and U.K. are identified, so if there's any problems or issues Eh, they're not responsible. The U.S. taxpayers will pick up the bill. Another thing that concerns me is they've ordered over a half billion vaccines. So that sounds like it'll certainly cover at least this country. It sounds like they want to mandate these vaccines to our passports, driver's license, and and, uh, articles connect Bill Gates even with chipping us with vaccine records. Is that for real, or is that just fake No, that's news for real. There? That
0: there's, there's, there's something called the COVID pass, okay? It's, it's a passport that's it's already been established. You know, Europe, many European nations have already signed, signed on to this, okay? This is a, a digital passport. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be on your, your Android. It's going to be on your, your, I, your iPhone, okay, where you have a passport. And it's going to list all the vaccines that you have, have taken. It's going to show, I mean, I don't know how this is getting past, past HIPAA, you know. Oh, my know gosh, how, how we're can- so
1: close to closing. I'm sorry we didn't get a big warning on this. So uh, we've got about 30 seconds uh, of last comments. Uh, any Anyway, any last comments?
0: But, yeah, I just wanted to. Finish that real quick and then I'll give it. Yeah, yeah but, but the passport's for real. They're, they're going to be, be, be doing that. If you don't have all your vaccines up to date, they're going to be looking at holding back your driver's license. You're not going to be able to travel. You're not going to be able to get a job. That's on the horizon if people don't wake up. What can up
1: we quickly. do about this? I don't like the idea. And the Foreign Service and working for the NHS, I had to get all these vaccines. But what yeah, do we do about this? They have to stand
0: up for the rights. They have to wake up and they have to say, you know what? I've woken up and I've made a and i don 't want this i 've been trying for thirty years to wake people up because I know that 's the only way we 're going to be able to stop this. The people have to be woken up otherwise we 're going to be trampled on okay it 's called not the tyranny. people are so
1: prepared that they're almost demanding that other people get the vaccines. So anyway, we're close to closing. So I would like to encourage the, the, the listener to do your own research. This is not medical advice. This is just medical information. You can do with it as you see. Uh, I, I'm not giving you advice here, but you can do your own research, check with your colleagues so you can help them uh, consult with your physician or clinician. And above all,